This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. From North State Public Radio in Northern California, I'm Jennifer Jewell. Nicole Burke is a gardener and an entrepreneur. She is the founder of Gardenary.com, an online platform where gardeners of all levels find inspiration, instruction, and community focused on growing kitchen gardens. Her new book, The Kitchen Garden Revival, is due out in May. Nicole and I spoke in early February, and it's remarkable to me how timely that conversation now seems, with most of us on stay-home orders and feeling a deep need to be outside, cultivating any garden space we're able to. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I got chills while you announced me. It's so fun to hear your amazing voice (laughs) talking about me. Well, so let's just dive right in. Please describe for listeners who might not be aware, what is Gardenary and where are you? Okay, uh, Gardenary is an online garden education company. Uh, It was founded in 2017 as a result of my first company, Rooted Garden, which I'll tell you about later. Um, So what I realized online is there were so many people who wanted to learn how to grow a little bit of their own food. And I was doing that for my clients in, uh, in Houston for through my company, Ruta Garden. And so I was getting contacts uh, through Instagram, of course, uh, with people asking, okay, first, how do I learn to garden like you do? And then two, um, could I start a gardening business like you do? Mm-hmm. So I began to have this vision of um, creating a, a space online where anybody anywhere could jump in and learn from me, um, both you know from the very start of how to grow some rosemary all the way to um, a gardener who's had success in their garden, learn how to start their own garden coaching business. So uh, it's been, gosh, two years now, and we just launched our platform. So um, my vision was to create an Uber for gardening. So a place where people can come on and put in their zip code and then find a garden coach or a garden course, or um, an ebook, something that could reach them where they are as a gardener. So we have just launched, I guess, at the very end of 2019, and we are just on the cusp of starting virtual coaching. So um, not only can someone find a, a coach in their area, but they may also be able to get online and get coaching right there on the site. Um, So the vision is that within three years, I will have trained a thousand gardeners to be garden coaches and that we'll be reaching a hundred thousand gardeners around the country. I love your vision, Nicole. Oh, well, we're on the same page, I think. Well, pretty awesome. We we (laughs) are in terms of our our heart, Um, and thank goodness there is you in the world to have that energy to really want to mentor as many people as you possibly can. That that community and that mentorship is absolutely essential. And I think in our work, you and I might get to a point and many other gardeners, especially maybe the young ones or the new ones to the possibility of a garden business, might fall into that like comparison and competition trap, which is just so critical to stay away from because I think if you get on Instagram and you're in the gardening world or, you you know, any of the social medias, 
you think, oh, there's already people out there doing that. Oh, someone else is already doing it better. But the fact is only 38% of our country identify as gardeners, and so many of them aren't sure exactly what to do or how to do it, and they just need the information, the encouragement, and the community. And you are there to give that to them, and we need more of it all the time, right? So God love your vision. I want to hear so much more. Yeah, I just I just made a YouTube actually about this. Um, hopefully it's going to go out today. So it'll be up by the time this comes out. Um, I'm starting a series called Grow Your Business. And uh, and I talk about I talked about um, the very to me, the most important part of starting a business or um, being an entrepreneur is having a mission a purpose bigger than your business. Mm. So something that your business in itself couldn't achieve on its own. Mm. And that's really served me so well. I mean, I'm just like everybody else. I get jealous, right? I mean, I'll see your post and you got 2000 likes (laughs) and I only got 200 and that makes me super sad. And, you know, um, I have imposter syndrome like everyone else, Mm. but um, from I probably probably a few when I first started my company it was all about money I needed money I have four kids I had two that had surprisingly um, enrolled in private school for a year so it was about money but very shortly thereafter I realized I needed uh, like money was not going to keep me in the game long term I needed something bigger I mean garden in itself is meaningful, right? But um, what I did is I latched on to a bigger vision of of bringing back the kitchen garden, a garden where you grow vegetables and herbs and fruit. And that became my, my mission and my language. So instead of talking about myself and my products and um, you know, buy, buy, buy from me. Um, I began talking about a bigger mission mm-hmm. um, of bringing back the kitchen garden. And that freed me up so much online to, um, you know, when I did feel jealous or when I did feel like I was less than or I wasn't, um, you know, becoming the businesswoman I wanted to be, then I could go back to, okay, well, if Jennifer, like maybe I'm a little jealous of her, but but we're going after the same vision and the same mission. And so um, instead of feeling competition, I can actually celebrate what she's doing and share that, you know, with the world. Yeah. It also helps you feel more comfortable when you're talking about your business because it can be a little, you know, we're just not sure that we're up for selling what we're doing, <laughs> but you can always sell a mission, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, anybody can can talk about something that's a, a bigger purpose than themselves. So, yeah, I totally agree with with what you say. And um, um, I had a, a guy when I first started my business. He met with me and was very generous with his knowledge. And he said, you know, Nicole, the ocean is wide open. He was like, we, you know, we have a really successful business and we're not even touching the fringe of what's possible here. Yeah. Yeah. And thank goodness the garden herself shows us this model of collaboration, community, and doing things together every single day. So the mission is always bigger than us. Another, just to follow up on that a tiny bit, uh, one of my mantras is always, her success is my success. And that that holds me and, and moves me through any of those, those moments. Um, okay, so let's step back just a little bit because you're in Houston. Is that correct? I, so my business is in Houston. I lived there for 
oh goodness, of five and a half years. Yeah. And I actually now live in Chicago. <laughs> so uh, my part of my story is I've moved quite a bit. Yeah. I grew up in the South, Mississippi, Louisiana. I, my, I have a family background in horticulture. My grandfather, my maternal grandfather was the head of horticulture at Mississippi State University. Um, but his focus, honestly, that was a time when synthetic fertilizers and um, pesticides and all that was really on the rise. So he was pretty influenced by that. Um, but I did grow up like going to the Ag Center with him in Starkville, Mississippi, and watching my mom and her sisters pass around plants, almost always ornamentals. I don't think we did anything with edibles. Um, and then, of course, I was forced. I was one of two girls, and we were forced to do yard work every single Saturday morning. <laughs> so um, so I swore all my life, I actually literally, literally told my parents that when I grew up, I would have a yard of gravel. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I don't even understand the point. Like, why are we growing things that we have to cut down every single weekend? We, I grew up on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi, so it was like year-round mowing. Mm -hmm. It was awful. And uh, with two girls, my dad was, you know, obsessed with giving us a good work ethic, which worked, actually. So um, anyway, grew up in Mississippi, Louisiana, went to college in um, Spartanburg, South Carolina, a small college called Converse. It's a women's college, actually. Um, grew so much personally there. It's a liberal arts college. So if anyone's leading or teaching or bossing people around, it's a woman. Um, so I really, I was already kind of bossy, but the school brought it out to me even more. <laughs> um, I studied math and accounting there. I always had a dream of being a businesswoman. I actually told my dad when my sister got married, I said, okay, I saw what he spent, you know, on the wedding. And I was like, um, can you just give me my money now? Because I'm not getting married. <laughs> uh, so uh, just one of the promises I didn't keep, right? But um, so uh, I kind of got a, uh, I don't know, junior, senior year, I had this burden. All of a sudden, my vision switched and I started to see need in the world. And instead of I guess I felt a little guilty about wanting to be like a successful businesswoman and suddenly became like burdened by poverty in the world. So I actually went after college to rural China and uh, work with a minority group there for two years. So um, that was my first exposure to farming and to local and seasonal eating. I had no idea those terms at that time, uh, but I lived in a small, um, for China, a small town. It was like 200,000. And every day we would go out in Mai Tai, which is like buy vegetables. And, um, and you just buy literally what you're going to eat that day. And it's just whatever they've brought down from the mountain. So, um, so yeah, I had no idea. That's what I was being exposed to, but I was, and it was super, um, What's the word? Like it influenced me yeah, a lot. Yeah. Um, and I was like, what's the point of an accounting degree if I don't even understand food? Because <laughs> oh. I realized there I had very little to offer them. Like I was there to help them, but I didn't actually have a way to do that because my my training was in such a different field, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, came back home, met my husband. We got married. He is an organic chemist. Mm. I have no idea what he does, <laughs> but people tell me he's smart, and I think he's—I think so. Um, he's super cute, so that's what I was all um, 
called up in. So we moved to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, um, and I began work in the philanthropy world, actually. So I took my experience in China and um, began, we did, it was called performance philanthropy. So we did advising for high-level philanthropists who wanted to keep a better kind of tab and um pulse on their giving overseas. So I managed lots of development projects first in China, and then I became um, the leader of Southeast Asia work. So that was right around the time of the tsunami. I don't know if you remember um, 2005 in Sri Lanka. Yeah. So um, anyway, it was a really powerful time for me learning, um, newly married, and uh, I got exposed to a lot of hard things in the world, like around the whole world, but also got to see these amazing human beings who are doing really amazing things um, in tough places. So, you know, working in um, like areas of HIV or um, water shortages or... um, you know, all kinds, all the hard things of life, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, fast forward, I, um, we moved to Charlottesville, Virginia. Wow. So, I mean, can you count how many people places I've lived so far? We moved to Charlottesville and my husband finished his PhD there. We had our first two kids there. I was, I lived um, like one interstate stop away from Monticello. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been there? Oh yeah. I have cousins who were there and my um, aunt was the head gardener at Ash Lawn. <gasps> So, oh my gosh. Yes, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So, I would go walk my, I had my first children there. So, we would walk the pass at Monticello. Beautiful. So, that was my first exposure to a kitchen garden. Yeah. Um, Which is a getting good this. kitchen garden for, to have be your first exposure. <laughs> yeah, and that was honestly, Jennifer, I think it was the first one I ever saw. So, yeah. And I remember one day I was pulling out and I saw a bumper sticker on this old truck in front of me. We lived very close to UVA. Yeah. And it said, support local farmers. And I'd never, honestly, I'd never thought of that. Like, I just, it just all of a sudden hit me like, what, what does that even mean? I'm Jennifer Jewell, and this is Cultivating Place. Nicole Burke is the founder of Gardenary.com, an online platform encouraging and teaching people about the whys and hows of the kitchen garden. Stay with us. We'll be right back after a break. Okay, so thinking out loud this week. This particular time in our history of stay-home orders, of health and financial and environmental concerns feeling more pressing, perhaps more hopeless than ever, holds out a set of interesting options for us. In our conversation, Nicole describes her own mental practice of trying to overcome her issues of worthiness in her work, like trying to even have an official name for what she does, and her work to overcome the very real dreaded imposter syndrome of choosing at her most metaphorical to pay close attention to the truth that that which we water the most will grow the most, that to which we dedicate the most resources will flourish. These scary conditions of our greater world could be the perfect time for our most worried or skeptical inner voices to dominate. And there'd be plenty of cause for that. We have a lot of time on our hands right now to let our brains spin on what we cannot control. And while we cannot control everything in the garden, nor do we really want to once we come to the joys of it, of the garden 
a trail, a collection of windowsill herbs or houseplants, they are firmly offering out for us an alternative to the allure of negative mental spin. They are offering us a focus on what we can grow, what we can create, what we can work to sustain and add to our world, starting right where we are. Even if, as Nicole says she first did with her little backyard garden all those years ago, your first attempts to grow are not exactly to plan. Perhaps it will be enough of a spark to keep you growing forward. And every little bit accumulates and counts. It's certainly worth a try. Now, back to our conversation with Nicole Burke of Gardenary.com. Her new podcast is Grow Yourself, a play on words I'm loving. This is Cultivating Place, conversations on natural history and the human impulse to garden. We're back now with Nicole Burke of Gardenary.com and author of The Kitchen Garden Revival, due out in May. In all of her work, Nicole strives to encourage and support everyone, everywhere, to consider a kitchen garden. As we come back, Nicole shares how she found herself on one life path, which eventually led her to her mission and grew her along. Kind of went on, a, started on a path there. Um, then I started doing philanthropic research and I did a paper that really impacted me. I was raising babies at the time, so I was kind of doing papers late at night, early in the morning. And it was about millennials around the world and um, the things they were going through. I did it in all the different continents and cultures and saw all these different hard things that millennials were going through, gangs and you know, disease and um, just drugs and whatever, all the all the foils that millennials could end up in. And all of the research pointed back to the main source of all that challenge was economics. So it was like when they didn't have the opportunity to um, to support themselves economically, they ended up in these troubles. And that was kind of like a light bulb moment to me about entrepreneurship and kind of gave me this, like, you know, this bigger momentum underneath of one day I want to create something that helps people make money, like make good money in a good way. So, yeah. So anyway, then I moved to Nashville, had two more babies. I had four babies in four and a half years. (laughs) And that's where we started gardening. Am I crazy or what? We started our backyard garden. We failed Jennifer in like every single way. Um, The first time we tried to do in ground and then we built these little tiny raised beds. Um, But we got enough out of that first garden to really, to really spark my interest. You know, I kind of lost myself during that time because I was a mom and, uh, and I still had that career drive. So I was home a lot. I mean, all the time, obviously. You, you don't go out in public with four kids under four and a half, you know. And um, it was an escape for me. It was a place where I kind of found myself again, um, or maybe for the first time. It was super special to me. So uh, we moved again. My husband had postdocced at Vanderbilt in Nashville. So then we moved to um, Houston. Oh, and when I was in Nashville, I read the book Animal Vegetable Miracle, which I'm sure you've read. Mm. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. A, a formative book. Barbara Kingsolver did a beautiful job with that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't think I had, I could have read a gardener's book at that time. I needed her book because she's a writer, you know. Mm-hmm. That book influenced me so much. And so um, anyway, we moved to Houston and uh, gardened there. And then when my priest, my youngest started preschool, I started my little business and called it Rooted Garden um, because my mom had taught me how to root plants. And uh, as a as a mom of four kids with a husband going through grad school, anything free is like gold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, that was a really amazing thing to cut on a plant and turn it into 10 or 15 more. So that was kind of the vision when I first started my company. Wow. Okay. There's so much there. But what I love, Nicole, is this like web of all these different experiences growing you into who you were going to become. And this idea of empowering other people to make their livings, to feed themselves, and to grow things all together, that is a powerful vision. And Rooted clearly did beautifully in Houston. And then you got, as you mentioned earlier uh, at the beginning of the conversation, as these things often do, your original seed of a vision grows you into something bigger and it intersects with a bigger need in the world um, of other people saying, wait, that's a great idea. Can you teach me? Can you show me? And so your ability to see that and then your willingness to try and meet that intersection with your whole heart and endless energy, from what I can tell. Um, I applaud you. So, so, so tell us about the move to Chicago from Houston. And, uh, and then we'll get really deep into gardenery. Cool. Um, so I do have to tell you, uh, the rooted garden. So do you know my? You were talking about vision and like mm. changing and adapting. Okay. So my very yeah. first idea, Jennifer, was to sell lettuce from my garden. <laughs> so, well, I've seen your lettuce, and I would pay top dollar for that lettuce, Nicole. <laughs> so I was I was researching because I needed. I really did need, sincerely need more money, and yes. um, I would Google how to make money from a garden, you know, and so one was like, make $12,000 growing garlic, you know, on this many acres or, you know, this many square feet. Um, So anyway, the thing that I was so successful with in Houston, especially because it's such a temperate climate, is the lettuce. And I never, I literally had never enjoyed a salad until I had those lettuce um, harvest from Houston. So, um, so yeah, I, that first founding, I started it as Rooted Garden Goods. <laughs> and the, the vision was that I would, um, I would sell lettuce. So I took a, my refund check from my daughter's preschool. I had $450. I did not tell my husband I got the refund check. And I just went and put it in the bank for my company and um, spoke with a friend. And I was trying to decide, you know, do I do S Corp? Do I do a sole proprietor? I have no idea. I've never done a business before. And she said, you know, Nicole, I don't really want your lettuce. I want you to teach me how to grow lettuce. Like you should be like a consultant or something. And I was like, oh. That sounds like so much more fun than Mm. washing lettuce. (laughs) So I just thought I was going to do like some DIY boxes and maybe like, you know, I would go and do a a consult, but 
that would be it. I mean, I think when I first started, I said a, a consult would be $25. Like my first probably 10 orders or $25 consults. Um, by the, okay, you're not gonna believe this. In a year, my company sold more than $100,000 worth of garden. Wow. <laughs> well, and I want to address what you said just a little bit earlier, the like, you actually needed to make money. Like this is one of the great binds, I think, for um, women gardeners specifically. And I don't mean to be sexist, but I, I do think there's this moment of like, wait, I have to make money. That feels so embarrassing. Why is that embarrassing? We all have to make money. We all have to make enough money to live our lives and take care of our, our babies. Oh, yeah. We do. Yeah. And, and just because we love gardening and we engage in gardening, it is not a leisure activity. It is a beautifully, enjoyably, expansively wonderful activity, but it is not a leisure hobby for many, many people. And the myth that like someone else online looks like they have a real job doing it and we don't actually have a real job, like that just, that's in that box of imposter syndrome. We need to throw that box out. Um, and the, the pride that you must have in your business being so healthy, well done you. Oh, yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think as women, maybe too, like when any entrepreneur, maybe you're like, I mean, for me, I remember I took a picture of my first check. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I made 100000 My company made 100000 but I didn't, right? Like I, I paid a lot of people and all those kind of things. So I'm not like rolling over here. I mean, I'm sitting in my closet. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yes, I, I took the first check. Um, I took a photo with my phone and, and texted it to my husband. And I think... Yeah, even now, I think I'm still learning to believe that I have something that people would pay me to help them with, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And I think that's just a, it's a constant, it's a constant thing where you have to work on your mind and yes. especially when you create your own thing and it's not like this. You know, when I studied accounting, it was a very clear path, right? Yes. Like a big five company hires you, they pay you X, right. you know, and like all those skills are set up. But when you create your own thing, and especially what I'm trying to do in the garden industry is is make it a thing. Like I want there to be a path that people can look at mm -hmm. and go, okay, when I, when I do this, I can go X, Y, Z. But at the moment, that really it's it's a blank slate, right? Yes. Like it, when I called my insurance company and called the <laughs> bank and started to describe my company, they're like, what? You know, it, it, so you're a, you know, like there, there just wasn't even a word for right. it. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, I'm trying to convince myself and then definitely there's a ton of work to even convince other people. But, you know, the people I've never had to convince, which is so shocking, are my clients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they, it just was so fun. I, I didn't pay for any advertising really in the first three or four years. It was all referrals. And um, it was all these people who have wanted to garden for a very long time and there just has never been someone there ready to help them. Yeah. So, And that that hunger, that that resonance that you hit on um, gives you an indication of how important it is in the world. 
that sensation of, well, that's not a real occupation. That's not in the drop-down box on what you do in the census, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So um, we need to get past that too. So you, when did you move to Chicago and when did you know you were going to transform from Rooted and its really healthy model into this bigger version of what that was? So 2015 is when I started with the lettuce idea. Um, My cousin, who's super cool and younger than me, of course, she uh, she said, Nicole, you got to get on Instagram. And I'm like, Insta what? <laughs> like, I didn't even have I didn't even have a smartphone until 2014. So I was like the flip phone. I was like so anti-technology. And uh, anyway, she convinced me. She came and helped me take photos and, you know, talk about imposter syndrome. Oh, my gosh. Posting your first photos on Instagram. Pretty hard. Mm. Um but I, I started doing it and it really became fun for me. I was like documenting all the work I did with clients. And um, and that is when the, honestly, the idea for Gardenery came about because very shortly thereafter, or very shortly through the process, I was growing an audience that was way beyond Houston and um, and just getting lots of feedback and energy from people all over. Some people saying, can you teach me to garden like you do with your clients? Mm-hmm. And then other people saying, can you teach me to start a business? And so in 2017, so I was still in Houston at the time, my company was only about two years old. I started a second company, so named it Gardenary and set it up as a separate company because I knew um, I knew the vision for that was going to be different and bigger and um, and it was more like national and international. Mm-hmm. So I, I taught myself how to create courses online, um, signed up for some great teachers to study under. And my first course was called Salad School. <laughs> Teach what you know, right? Yeah. So have a path that I bring people along as they're learning to garden, starting with leaves of herbs and then salad greens and then moving eventually to a full kitchen garden. And so um, so that was a natural first choice as an introductory course. So I did that one. And then simultaneously, I had the idea to start what I called Kitchen Garden Coach Society. So um, I just put out one post one day and I was like, who here would want to learn how to start their own garden coach business? And at that time, I don't remember how many followers I had, but I got a ton of feed, like so many people. Like I said, tag yourself below. And so many people tagged themselves. And I was like, oh, this might be the thing, actually. Like <laughs> this might be the bigger, more exciting thing to me. I launched it in, at the end of 2017, really just as a trial I had three people sign up, Jennifer. It was amazing. <laughs> um, so I had three people sign up. And then um, would you believe that next spring, my husband told me that he was probably going to try to apply to a job in Chicago. So that was shocking. Um, I mean, I've always followed his career um, as we've moved, especially because I was um, I wanted to be the one home with my kids. Mm-hmm. I've really treasured that time. Um, no regrets at all with that. Um, but this time I actually had a I had something really going, you know. Um, so thankfully, I had already trained a friend of mine to start working with me with Ruta Garden. So she carried on. We just kind of, I just passed the baton to her and we had like our biggest year, the year I left, wow. um, which was so fun to see yeah. that it wasn't just a personality-based business, right. you know, that it wasn't just about me. It was about really the model. Yeah. 
Um, and that spring I started, I, I launched, um, the garden coach society again and had 35 people join. So that was a moment and they were from all over like California, Washington state, North Carolina, Mississippi, Arizona, of course, Texas. Um, and, and I was like, oh my gosh, this could actually happen, you know? And uh, so that's when I started reaching out to app developers and web developers um, because I knew a big piece of this would be not just them learning the skill of developing their business, but marketing it. I'm Jennifer Jewell, and this is Cultivating Place. Nicole Burke is the founder of Gardenary.com, an online platform encouraging and instructing people about kitchen gardening. Stay with us. We'll be right back for more. Hey, it's Jennifer. I love Nicole's obvious zeal for her work and her clear understanding that to be a good gardener and a good businesswoman can go hand in hand. In our correspondence back and forth in the production of this episode, she shared with me a quote that really moves her from Kobe Bryant along the lines of this. It doesn't matter if you are great. It matters if you are full of enough greatness to share it and make other people great. In this time of anxiety, worry, loss, and fear, I am holding this quote as a mantra for our time, in the garden and out. Now, back to our conversation with Nicole Burke, founder of Gardenary and author of the soon-to-be-published Kitchen Garden Revival. This is Cultivating Place, Conversations on Natural History and the Human Impulse to Garden. We're back now with Nicole Burke of Gardenary.com. Her new book, The Kitchen Garden Revival, is due out in May. But in the meantime, her website and her online presence are ready and able to help you grow yourself. Okay, so... Your passion is absolutely contagious. And uh, part of me wants to say she could teach anything. Like she could have started a coaching business in, I don't know, nail salons. But you didn't. (laughs) You started it as a way to allow people to grow better food, grow small businesses, maybe even large businesses, and have this fabulous advocacy for the return of the home kitchen garden. Why the kitchen garden? Tell us about that and tell us a little bit more about your kitchen garden model as well. You know, I think I wanted to be an entrepreneur from the very beginning. Uh, I paused that, you know, with my years of motherhood. And Jennifer, I think I was part of the pause was waiting to find the thing. I needed something that I that I believed was not just going to uh, support my family, not just going to be successful, but something that I really believed could change the world for good. I've always been somehow in between um, resources and and good work. So for instance, when I was in China, you know, there were, I was being supported to be over there and doing that work. So, I mean, there were people who were working hard and making money over here, helping me reach those people there. 
um, when I discovered the garden and I realized, okay, this is, first of all, I love this. It feels so fun to me. It's endless exploration. Like it was one of those things where like, I could never, I can do this for the rest of my life and I'll always be surprised. That felt really amazing. Um, that, that I loved it. Like I literally, my kids would have to text Jason and be like, we can't find mom (laughs) because, because I would be in the yard. Um, I really wasn't hiding from them. I promise. Um, but I, um, yeah, so I loved it personally and I, I saw that there was literally an eternity of exploration possible, like in a four by four bed. Um, which felt amazing. And then when I realized it was also really beautiful, like I would spend money on my garden more than I like would buy it. Like we don't have rugs at my house because I spend all my money on my garden, you know, um, like it, it's so beautiful. And then, you know, it, it actually is good for the whole world. Yeah. Like yeah. when I realized that, like when I put all those three things together, like it is something so fulfilling personally, it's so pretty, it's good for my community, but then it actually changes the world for the better. I was like, okay, I'm in. Like, I I could give my whole life to this. And you are. So, okay, so so talk about the kitchen garden model. I want to just point out right here um, that you also have a new podcast, Grow Yourself, and you have a new book coming out. So, but let's stick in the garden for right now, Nicole. When I first started, I told everyone I love to garden. I love the people. And I was pretty vague. I mean, I knew I was going to do raised beds. I didn't have the terminology around it. And shortly as I got into it, my mom said, you know, I think what you're doing is kitchen gardening. And I was like, mm. you know, what, what What are you doing trying to come in here and like define my work for me? You know? <laughs> Moms. So, Mom's always a good, not that I ever do that as a mom. Um, so I, I Googled it and of course she was right. And, um, and then when I realized it was, it was a thing that we lost, like that we used to do, Mm -hmm. um, for, for centuries. And then it had just kind of gone away. And, uh, so yeah, I just really, we talked about mission earlier. I just made that my mission. I made, um, bringing the kitchen garden back as my main mission. So it's raised beds, always raised beds, minimum of one foot tall, um, always trellises, generally pretty trellises and more um, substantial and lasting trellises. Um, my clients in Houston have financial resources to make really beautiful gardens and they want to, and it matches um, the level of the homes they live in. So that um, their generosity and their vision to invest in a garden allowed me to create, I think, some of the most beautiful kitchen gardens in the world. Um, It's really due to them. Like I owe a huge credit to them for trusting me with their gorgeous homes and landscapes. Um, They, I I mean, literally I owe so much to them. Um, So what we did is created, I have five different layouts that I generally do. I call it a border garden, twin gardens garden trios, four garden classics, and formal potagers. These are all in the book. And uh, and we base those basically on the style of the home and the amount of space that's available. So our mm-hmm. most popular garden is just called a border garden. And what we do is just slide it in 
to unsuspecting places. So in an alley or right upside the house or next to a fence um, or even along a driveway. So my perspective is that pretty much everybody, unless you're like literally in an apartment and you don't have any outdoor space, that everybody has enough space for at least a border kitchen garden. Um, Minimum could be two feet wide, six feet long, um, or you can, you know, like if you if you have a square space to go four by four, but generally four by four is what you know most of the industry tries to sell us. But generally, you could you know you can do that in a um, like a two by eight, which would fit much better in most people's spaces. So um, we we start completely over with great soil. I have a awesome one hundred three mix that's in my book, um, but the the teaser it's a sandy loam mix. Um, and um, and then we always try to use as local resources as possible and um, grow, you know, either grow locally grown plants or um, or start from seed. And uh, and then I use an intensive planting method. So my design is that we pack in the plants. Yeah. So um, the you can only do that if you take my intensive planting pledge, also in the book. <laughs> so if you if you plant intensively, you have to actually hang out in your garden, and that's the way I I set it up is so that people can get out to their garden and literally harvest every single day, yeah. um, something. And, uh, and that's the design of it. And it, it, I just kind of came up with it from all the gardens I got to play in. Yeah. And it, you know, as you mentioned, I mean, none, nothing is new under the sun, right? So oh yeah, there is a wonderful uh, woman here on the West Coast, Yolanda Burrell, who owns Pollinate Farm and Garden in Oakland. And uh, one of her mottos in the in her store is uh, that it's you walk in and you remember what you had forgotten, even if it was several generations ago. Oh, um, because this is innate to us. This this wanting to grow food. The intensive method sounds like such a, a nice modification and modernization of square foot gardening, which was a, is a fantastic technique as well. But as you say, I, I, I love the fact that you're asking people to take this pledge because you, it is a relationship and it's a very interactive hands-on one if you want to get the, the most out of your home kitchen garden and vegetables or herbs planted this intensively. Now, this brings me to a question that I uh, I really want to cover with you. I am all about the relationship that we have with these plants in these spaces, and that it is never a question of a twenty-four hour makeover, and voila, you have a garden. It is about building this time-honored relationship, and I know that on. You know, in, in your social media, which is full of energy and vitality and enthusiasm, uh, it looks like it all happens boom like this. And I think what you're trying to get to, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I sense how much you are in relationship with your gardens and your plants and the gardeners you're mentoring along, that you just want to get people over that hump of being intimidated and you want them to just dive in and try, even if they fail a couple times like you did learning. Like this is the learning curve we're on. But you, it is not a 24-hour Instagarden. It is the first handshake or the first kiss to what will be a long-term relationship. 
Definitely. So, um, yes, there is the power of the viral post. <laughs> and uh, and I am a marketer. Every businesswoman is, right? So, yes, yes. Um, so I did a post. I wasn't even thinking, you know, this would happen. But at the time I only had, I don't remember, but I had under 10,000 followers at the time. And I did a post, it was a 9am, 2pm post. And it was absolutely 100% true. Now, I had already gone on the consult with the client, the client had gardened in that space previously. Um, my carpenter built the beds off site, they were delivered, you know, that day. I mean, there were a million things that had happened you know, for, for months up until that day. Um, but, but the timestamps were actually true. Like we arrived at 8am, the space looked as I pictured it. And then by 2pm, it literally was completely filled with three gorgeous raised beds, um, all the soil, all the irrigation plants and trellises. So that is, it is true. That is the way my company works. Um, so I, I put that post up there and it went, I mean, Instagram put it on their explore page. I think like 15,000 people um, liked that photo within a day. <laughs> and I gained like 2,000 followers. It was so good for my ego. <laughs> but um, no, and even uh, Better Homes and Gardens actually posted that the following Memorial Day on yeah. their page. And it got like 50,000 likes, one of their most liked photos. But you know what it actually got, Jennifer, was tons of feedback, like negative like, oh, please, Better Homes and Gardens, really, you know, like, why would you post that? That's such a lie. Um, the purpose of that post is to show the power of community and of hiring a garden coach. Yeah. Right. So yes. a lot of times what holds people up is not the actual tending to their plants. It's getting over the hump of setting it up in the first place. Yep. And so that's the power of a garden coach and the businesses, the business that I run and the businesses that I help other people start. Mm -hmm. So if I can come into a space and remove all of as many questions as possible. Like, what's going to be the best way to set this up? Um, what, what are the materials that we need? What's the most successful soil blend we can use? Um, how can we plant this to maximize the space? If I can answer all those questions and knock that out for a client in eight hour space, mm -hmm. then the tending you know, then they can jump in and start doing the fun part. The bigger message is to say, if you can get past the setup, I want to help you get past the setup, yep. then we can start the long, amazing journey yeah. um, of learning your plants. I, you know, I'm, I guess, a decade into learning um, kitchen gardening. And you know what? I was just thinking, like, this is going to be my second full season in the Chicago area. And I just had this thought yesterday, Jennifer. I was like, what if it doesn't work the way it did last year? <laughs> you know, because you do, you realize it is not plug and play, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, there are a million, a million things that happen each season. And I had such a beautiful, amazing, it worked out so great because um, we took all of the photos for my book from my garden and, uh, and it just did, it did amazingly well. Um, but there are so many other parts, you know, that I have no control over every single year and in all my clients' gardens. You know, we can set it up perfectly and then, 
You know, a squirrel might come and decide to eat the entire thing. Um, mm-hmm. You just, you, you know, you're playing with nature. So, you know, you never know what she's going to do. I am trying to, to work on people's doubts. I'm trying to challenge the, the assumption that gardening is not for everybody. And that removal of obstacles in that cheerful quick, enthusiastic way, that's that's important. That's really helpful because that's how we grow more gardeners, Nicole. And of course, like that question, what if it's not like it was last year? The answer is always it's not going to be. And that taps exactly. into that incredible, <laughs> endless, eternal exploration that nature as our playmate offers us, right? So, yeah. So, yeah. we're getting very close on our time now. And you have certainly described some of your greatest joys and some of the challenges to your work. Is there anything else you would like to add for people that are listening and um, maybe are established gardeners or maybe are going to be gardeners or garden business people? Is there anything else you would add about that? Uh, Let's see. Jennifer, this is a challenging question. (laughs) Um, I would say... I would say, so if you are, if you aren't gardening yet, you have to try. Um, if I, I tell people when people don't have time for something or they feel challenged by something, it's generally that they either feel like it's boring, unimportant, or overwhelming. So if you aren't gardening because you feel, then it's probably because you think it's either boring, unimportant, or overwhelming. And so if you think it's boring, you've got to just try it because you'll realize it's not. If you think it's unimportant, you've got to read Animal Vegetable Miracle um, or just like read the news. <laughs> and um, and if you think it's overwhelming, then you've got to get a garden coach, um, read books on gardening, or come hang out and take some of my courses at Gardenary. If you are a garden business owner um, or a garden coach, don't stop. Um, Don't let, don't, you know, I tell myself this every day. Um, You'll never fail if you don't give up. (laughs) So um, I think don't take successes that you see of others um, as a sign that they haven't had 99 failures along with that one success. Um, trust the process. Like you said, it's just like the garden. So you keep tending, you keep planting and, you know, a lot of it won't grow, but some of it will. Um, and that, yeah, if you're in the garden business, well, first, if you're a coach, I would love to host you on my site. So we have two ways that we host businesses. One is, um, they can provide uh, virtual coaching, but we also, it's, it's, you know, it's set up long-term to be a directory, Jennifer. So where people can come in and find businesses wherever they are, even if they weren't trained by me. So, um, so I would love to serve you guys in that way. You can find out more at gardenary.com. Um, I think, um, for me, it's all in my head. 
So I, I think the biggest, you know, the whole showdown between the pests <laughs> and the weather and the growth, it all happens in my head. And the thing that that grows the most is the thing I water the most, right? Mm-hmm. So, or, or tend the most. So tending the thoughts, I'm going super metaphor here, sorry, but um, tend, you know, tend the thoughts that are good and keep repeating those and working on those thoughts mm-hmm. and um, and the ones that are discouraging or make you want to quit, um, you know, cut those out and put them in the compost pile. There you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, you, I mean, I think it's a beautiful work and we need, we need more people. My vision is that a decade from now when my youngest graduates from high school, she'll be 18, that the kitchen garden is an ordinary part of everyone's life. Yeah. Again, is right now, there's not a category for us, but there will be very shortly. I love it. Tell us the name of your podcast again, please. It is Grow Yourself, like three, three words, not two. And tell us the name of your book. My book's name is Kitchen Garden Revival. Nice. And it is available now or when will it be? It is. It's available now for pre-sale on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. And if you do order um, a copy, thank you so much. And you can send your receipt to hello at gardenary.com. And I have a free uh, mini course on five questions to ask before you begin your kitchen garden um, that I'd love to, to gift you with. Well done you. Thank you so much for being a guest on the program today. I applaud your vision and your energy, Nicole. Thank you, Jennifer. Well, I am honestly so humbled to get to chat with you. Um, I love the book you created and the way that you are lifting up women all over who are making a big difference. And I just, I can't tell you how much it means that I get to be one of those people. Nicole Burke is a gardener and an entrepreneur. She is the founder of Gardenary.com, an online platform where gardeners of all levels find inspiration, instruction, and community specifically around growing kitchen gardens. Her new book, The Kitchen Garden Revival, is due out in May. Her new podcast is called Grow Yourself. Check it out. When Nicole and I spoke in early February, it already felt like an important and timely message. In the wake of the COVID-19 crisis, with most of us on stay-home orders, the urge to garden and the need for instruction and support for it seems more timely than ever. Join us again next week when we begin our celebrations of Earth Day in a conversation with Rebecca Burgess, founder of a movement known as Fibershed and author of a book of the same name. There are so many ways people engage in and grow from the cultivation of their places. The earth is in all of our hands, so take good care. Cultivating Place is a listener-supported co-production of North State Public Radio. For all of you donors to the program, thank you. You make this work possible. Over on CultivatingPlace.com this week, make sure to check out the super cool, energizing, and uplifting images of Nicole Burke's work at Gardenary. While you're there, make sure to subscribe to the Cultivating Place podcast so that you never miss an episode. And if you love Cultivating Place, 
we'd love if you would take the time to recommend it to friends and give the program a rating or review on iTunes or any podcast platform. That's how this garden podcast grows. Our show producer and engineer is Matt Fiddler. Original theme music is by Ma Muse, accompanied by Joe Craven and Sam Bevan. Cultivating Places distributed nationally by PRX, Public Radio Exchange. Until next week, enjoy the cultivation of your place. I'm Jennifer Jewell.